Extra Daily Planet Extra. The story of my family is one of triumph and sacrifice. How we led a revolution against tyranny. And now it falls on my shoulders to save my world. Someone from the future is coming to destroy Krypton. Because where I'm from, your grandson becomes the greatest hero of the universe. isn't about how we died. It's about how we lived. The Man of Scream. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 19 of Man of Screen Extra. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and in this episode I'm going to talk about the first season of Krypton, which chronicled the time period about 200 years before Jor-El sent his son Kal-El to Earth on that fateful uh, day at the end of the world, sending his son Kal-El to come come to Earth and become Superman. If you're listening to this podcast, you all know the story, that's for sure. And I will not be alone. I am welcoming back uh, Bob Fisher, who, who many of you must remember from previous episodes, most notably the uh, past episodes in which I covered The Adventures of Superman, the George Reeves show. Bob and I are going to take a run-through we're not going to get overly specific about the episodes, per se, but we'll talk about some of the big developments and our thoughts on the first season of Krypton, which aired, well, I can't really say aired, was on cable, which was shown on the Sci-Fi Channel. Season 1 was about 10 episodes. There will be a Season 2, which is being shot now, as the public was, at the very least, informed of its renewal, either the day of the final episode or... Or shortly thereafter, but based on the way Season 1 went, it is definitely good to know that Season 2 will be on the horizon probably sometime next year. Probably around the same time that the show aired this year. However, before I get to uh, today's business, I have some feedback to address. I got some feedback here from Dave McElvenny, and Dave is writing in on Man of Screen Extra Episode 18, in which I talked about sharing uh, Harry Potter with uh, my daughter. And uh, Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. I really enjoyed this episode, talking about sharing the Harry Potter fandom with your daughter Haley. It sounds like something you'll be able to share with her throughout her life, and that's a great gift for both of you. I encountered Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone back in 1998, when I first saw the book at a local bookstore, and I eagerly awaited each new book's release after that. I wasn't one of those dressed in costume at midnight at the bookstore on the release date, but I always got each one within a day or so of release, and would hold myself up reading the book straight through. They truly are magical. I watched the movies as they came out in theaters, and I agree with you that knowing the books makes the movie experience better. As a teacher, granted, a math teacher, but still, I love that the books seem to bring a lot of young kids to a love of reading, and I hope that many of them have kept the habit. Also, as a teacher, I noted that you found yourself getting more out of the books as you read them to Haley. It is an axiom among teachers that you learn an awful lot by teaching others, and I think this is true, too, when you read to others. As she gets older, I encourage you, if possible, to ask Haley to read to you. If she's willing to do that, and I realize that at certain ages, that's a big if, you may both get a lot out of the experience. Enjoy your shared fandom, and I hope you both come to share other fandoms as well. Live long and prosper, Dave. So, uh, thank you, Dave, for writing in, and, you know, at the moment, this is probably the biggest uh, fandom that Haley and I share together, you know. I don't want to say it's a 
boy-girl thing, because it's not. I mean, boys and girls can like the same thing, but, you know, her tastes, you know, running seems to be, as far as what she's into with the kids, seems to run into, you know, her Shopkins stuff and Barbies and stuff like that. And she's also very uh, crafty and likes to draw, which are things that I am terrible at. No, seriously, I'm terrible at it. But the uh, Harry Potter thing has been a fun thing to uh, share with each other. But at the moment, it's on a bit of a pause. You know, just things are busy right now. We've uh, gotten a little bit through uh, the Chamber of Secrets. You know, I'm just going to have to get her back in the habit of uh, doing it again. You know, just because, you know, things have become real busy with uh, various activities. Softball's been going on for the past uh, two months. So, you know, busy, busy, busy. And uh, maybe when things calm down a little bit in July, uh, I'll be able to get in there and uh, we'll be able to read some more of the books. But I guess we'll see. And, uh, you know, and also, you know, I've always wanted to read the books. I watched the movies first, and I've wanted to read the books on my own, but I'm really finding that I enjoyed reading them with Haley. You know, more so than I just kind of enjoyed reading uh, it by myself. I believe I had read the first chapter or two of The Sorcerer's Stone and then, you know, picked it up a little bit more after Haley was wanting me to start reading it with her. So I get a lot more out of reading it with her than I do reading it on my own. And whether or not we're going to get through all seven books together, I don't know, but I guess we'll see. So thanks, Dave, for writing in. If uh, you want to write in as well, you know the email address, manascreen at gmail.com. So uh, at this point, I have really nothing else to add. I'm going to uh, take a quick break, play a podcast promo, and then I'm going to come back with Bob Fisher, and we're going to talk about Season 1 of Krypton. Hang around, folks. My name is Bob Fisher, and I'm the host of the Superman Forever radio podcast. On the Superman Forever radio podcast, I talk about Superman from 1938 to present day. And in 2018, we celebrate the 80th anniversary of the Man of Steel's first appearance in Action Comics with a full year of new episodes, more episodes, plus new features like The Adventures of Superman When He Was a Boy. Superboy is coming to the Superman Forever radio podcast. Also, the Superman Forever Roundtable Discussion Group, where I gather together some of the best Superman podcasters around, and we talk Superman. So if you want to know why I've been a Superman fan for over 60 years, point your favorite podcatcher to the Superman Forever radio podcast at supermanforever.com. Hello, podcast listener. Do you like... Ready to form Voltron! Or maybe... How about... I am Batman! Or... This is a job for Superman! Do you remember... Power Rangers! Or this... Right away, Michael. Or maybe even this... Autobots, transform! How about this? By the power of Grayskull! Or maybe... For the honor of Grayskull! Or have you seen the latest episode of... I'm the Doctor. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then check out Charlie's GeekCast, hosted by me, Charlie Niemeyer. I'm bringing the show back to talk about all the things I enjoy. Comics, movies, TV shows, video games, and more. New and classic episodes can be found at 2TrueFreaks.com and Charlie'sGeekCast.com. 
as well as anywhere you get your podcasts. So check out Charlie's GeekCast. You'll enjoy it. Or your money back. All right, welcome back, folks. Uh, I've got uh, Bob Fisher here with me. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. Oh, God, that's really old. But I'm old, that so is, it counts. It works. It absolutely okay. does. Uh, <laughs> Where well, did we just come back from? Break. Oh. We, wow, we, did, we, we just came back from me reading a letter from Dave McElvenny. Oh, hey, Dave. <laughs> it was a great letter, too. It was. Dave uh, wrote in about uh, the Harry Potter episode I did. Uh, Haley's, ah. get, Haley's getting into Harry Potter, so we've been ah. working our way through that uh, for the past. Uh, actually, we haven't done anything with it for a month or so, but. Yeah. Haley, have any interest in getting behind the microphone and, and talking Harry Potter or some of her geeky stuff with Dad? Not really. She doesn't really have any geeky stuff. To, don't think she has Harry Potter. Mm. But no, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. She just, you know, I try to, you know, underhand, <laughs> underhandedly kind of stick my iPhone under where she can't see it and try to get her to say something. But Right. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. She, uh, yeah. She, I got her on when I did my Disney episode two years ago. Mm. When, when we went to the uh, question to her about what she liked about the, about the trip, she uh, had to be guided. Yeah, yeah. And that's weird. Some kids, you know, when you stick a mic in front of them. Well, people, some people. I have friends my age. You put a microphone in front of them and they're not, they're gone. They're clamming yeah, up. They're it's all good. over. Yeah. Microphone? What's that? Yeah, Woo. So why are we here? What are we talking about? That is a deep question. That is deep. And coming from me, that's wow. We are talking about Krypton. Ah, yes, not, Krypton. Not the not the periodic element on the periodic table. No, the not planet the, Krypton the planet. with the Scarlet Jungle, the Fire Falls, the Jewel the Mountains. Jewel Ma- they did mention the Jewel Mountains. They did mention the Jewel Mountains. That was- I can't wait. Maybe in the second season they'll actually mention the Fire Falls and maybe, uh, the maybe, Scarlet maybe Jungle. They will, if they find some money in the CGI budget, they'll. Uh, Show us, Show us the, the Jewel Mountains. Then the Jewel Mountains, yeah. They showed us a lot but, of snow. A lot of snow. A lot of snow. And Have you noticed, though, it's a lot of, there are a lot of close-ups in the snow scenes, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Krypton, the TV show. <clears throat> so, the general uh, thoughts, what did you uh, think of, uh, of our visit to Krypton? Of our first season of the, uh, you know, it's it's interesting, because I think if I had seen this uh, 10, 12 years ago, um, I'd have probably been, you know, I would not have liked it like I, uh, can enjoy it now. I would have been in the, in the frame of mind. Well, that's not how it happened. God, you're screwing everything. That's not his name. What are you doing? You know, I, I'd be doing that, but yeah, it I took, think it took some getting over the naming, the naming, uh, him, they, they the don't name. name you the names the way we're used to. Right, they're not, and they they have made some changes. But I think since you know Smallville kind of got us all used to alternate origins, I think overall Smallville was okay out of the ten seasons. There's probably five or six of them worth watching. Um, yeah, the, the earlier you know, ones. Yeah, I enjoyed them a lot uh, when he was in high school and and learning his powers and and that kind of stuff. So you know, but I think that it, coming it along was the closest thing you were ever going to get to a proper Super Bowl. Exactly. We're not going to get any closer than that. 
And to even see a teenager have superpowers called Clark Kent and doing stuff, uh, that's about as close as we're going to get ever, I think. they've uh, DC, Warner Brothers, anybody in charge has totally forgotten that there was ever a time where there was a teenager and a young boy in a red and blue costume, The Adventures of Superman, when he was a boy. They've just totally written that off and totally forgotten it, which, you know, that's it. But the comics are still there. So, But I think having now watched, like I said, Smallville and the and the CW shows and Gotham uh, on Fox, which I thoroughly enjoy. Because, and that's just basically somebody who said, okay, here's a sandbox called Gotham. And here's all the toys in the Gotham sandbox called, you know, all these guys, Joker, Penguin, Riddler, Scarecrow. Here they all are. Now go play with them and have fun. And that's what they're doing. So they're just writing stories using those characters building up to uh, uh i think i heard recently that uh, this coming season will the fifth will be the last and bruce will don the cape and cowl how are they gonna get that skinny kid into a batman costume? well it's te man it's showbiz how'd they get michael keaton little runt into believing he was batman in, uh, in 1988 that's how yeah it's exactly not. well but you know they did a couple of scenes this season where uh, he had a hoodie, or not a hoodie, but a, a ski mask, a full mask on, and a black outfit, and beat the crap out of three or four guys in a in a uh, uh, an alley. So I thought, you know, you CG a cape on that thing, and okay, it's believable because they're at the end of it. He rips the ski mask off and runs, and you say, oh, that was the skinny kid. Hey, not bad. They did a decent job. But isn't, so, he, isn't he like thirteen? No, 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 no. He's he's closer to eighteen now. Uh, has there been a time jump? Uh, not in the show, but he. You mean in real life, his age? Nah, I, mean, I, I thought he was ten when the show started. Uh. Uh-uh. He was older. No, maybe, but right now he is uh, driving, so he's sixteen. They're calling him sixteen this past season because Alfred gave him a really, really hot car. I'm and, gonna have to see about this summer, being that the last season is coming up. I'm gonna have yeah. to see if I can uh, squeeze. Have you those seen any of? Season. Have you seen any of it? I jumped off at season three. Oh, because you should, you know, just jumping in is going to be weird. So you should go back to where you left off. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. I, am. I, don't know and, I, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do it in time for the upcoming season or if I'll just yeah. wait. Well, I just think it's I think it's really, really worth watching, even though it's nothing like any Batman origin that we've ever read or seen before. But anyway, that leads me to this Krypton thing where they've, I think, basically done the same thing. They've said, here's the planet. It's going to blow up, and this is a sandbox called Krypton, and here's all the people and the places and the things that are going to be in it. Now, go write some decent stories. But they haven't really done that because the difference is the time travel element. Right. So right. all of the, the quote-unquote canon changes are changes that were made to disrupt the future. Exactly. So I think for me, that's why all the, the weirdness is going down a lot easier because – they're not. Right. They're not changing the the history for the sake of changing the history. There's are p- characters on the show are actively changing the history. They're actively and based on information they don't either trust or believe, and then parts of it they do. But then we actually have to see. And we're jumping ahead and spoiling this. That's right. Right. We are going to spoil. We are going to spoil the warning. We will be spoiling. Uh, okay. Because we're going to be, I'm just going to be talking all over the place because we've got Adam Strange in this as the time traveler from our time period. 
going back to apparently, and that's something else that I think they're stretching a little bit. I never realized the Zeta beam that he had that much control of it, and he could go basically to a specific place and time in history. I thought it just got him back and forth to the other planet. Well, I didn't know the Zeta beam could travel through time. Uh, exactly. I just thought it moved from the one planet I to thought, another. I, I thought it just zapped him to Ron yeah, whenever well, uh, right. Zardath decided he needed to go there. Exactly. So what they've basically done is kind of said, no, it can do this. Okay, great. And he's there. Uh, I like the idea of the cape and uh, uh, getting shorter or longer, depending on how history is changing in the future by what love, they're doing. Love seeing the yellow S on it. Oh, the yellow S has to be there. And in fact, speaking of jumping around, Action Comics, as we record this, 1000 is out. And not only that, the new Man of Steel was out this week. Yeah, issue number one. Did you read that yet? Kind of. Kind of. Okay. I, I read I, it. I looked through it, so. Okay, I, I have, read it. I know the basics. Okay, I read it. Well, I'm not going to talk about it here, but. Well, I'm going to give it a good read, read, good read when all okay, six good. issues but I, Yeah, I did read it, uh, and I'm not going to review it here. It's just a setup. It's, you know, book one of, I don't know how many, six or whatever, uh, of Bendis's you know, jumping in. And it's good artwork, except I think Mr. Reese forgot to put the yellow S on the cape. There's not one shot of an S on that cape. And right now, the new costume, the costume we're going with now, uh, the yellow S is back along with the trunks. Those two items were put back in the current Superman. But I never saw. Now, most of the shots, you don't really see the back of the cape. So maybe they'll say it was there. We just didn't see it. I'm, lo- I'm looking. But uh, uh, I couldn't find that oh, yellow S. Yep. Well, Mike, it's not there on this page. And there's a couple of shots where the cape is flowing back there pretty big. And uh, there's no yellow S on the – so I think they either forgot or they need to correct that because you know how I feel about that. Yeah, well, Without, there's only one good shot of the back of him. Yeah, exactly. And that doesn't show the And S. that doesn't show it. It's on what my file here calls page 9. Right. Probably like page 7 or 8. Right. But that's the – yeah, exactly. So you'd have to – you know, the rest of the shots, you just don't see it from the way it's So, you know, they could say, well, it's there. It's just we didn't – there are no shots that show that much of the back of the cape. Except that one big flying scene where, to me, it should be part of it. You should be seeing part of it right in the fold over there. Yeah. But but, uh, but anyway, anyway, to getting back to the cape and Krypton, that's the point to me is that without that yellow S – and I've said it on my show. I've said it on social media – it could be a red curtain, a red blanket, a red sheet. It could just be a piece of red cloth. It could be Crypto's cape. Although even in the Silver Age, Crypto's that cape is. had the yellow S on it. So that's how you know it's part of a super family's cape. It's got the S on it. If, if you don't have it, and somebody will come in, I'm sure it'll take about two seconds for somebody says, well, in a Golden Age Action Comics number one, he didn't know. You know what, <sighs> animated? If, if the super friends... And the Filmation cartoons can get an S on, the, on that cape, so can you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's something else. Never, ever in a billion years, if you read it or hear it anywhere, where somebody says, oh, the animators said it was too difficult to animate the S on the back of Henry Cavill's cape or whoever, that's a bunch of crap. That's an absolute bunch of crap. No animator worth his salt would say that animating that S is too difficult. It's just like they a texture map. You put it on the 3D image, and once it's there, the computer knows it's there and right, will and, treat and, and it, it accordingly. Right. 
So, yeah, don't give me this nonsense of, oh, it's too difficult for the animators to animate. No, no, no. No, what's too, too difficult, is, is, what's too difficult is, is to uh, delete a mustache. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> and that shouldn't have been that difficult. It shouldn't have been. But, you know, it's kind of weird because you have to reanimate the upper lip that you don't actually see move because the mustache is covering it. So not only do you just have to get rid of the mustache, you actually have to do some lip manipulation. And uh, they didn't do any of that. They just did a quick, let's just, you know, get rid of it for, it's almost like it was a test shot. What will it look like if we do this? Yeah, good enough. Ship it. Yeah, that cell phone video didn't do it any favors. The rest of the movie, I was okay, but yeah, not the cell phone video. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, even knowing that when I got the Blu-ray and watched it at home for the first time, I, it didn't even dawn on me until after the scene was over. And then I went, oh, yeah, I forgot to look at the mustache. So I had to back up and then go, okay, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> it, I only noticed it the first viewing. Yeah. After that. Yeah, I don't even, it doesn't even, it doesn't even, yeah, it doesn't even phase me. Not at all. Um, but anyway, in Krypton, I like the idea that they're doing the cape. See how I'm, I'm a pro, folks. I'll bring it right back to the cape. And I like On the idea that, sometimes. Uh, do what? On your own, sometimes you'll bring it Sometimes back. on my own, which means I'm way too sober for this. <laughs> but <laughs> the uh, using the cape as a way to determine uh, whether things are going right or not is kind of a, you know, it's not a new device, uh, obviously. Uh, it's been done in, uh, well, multiple things. And uh, people will say uh, Back to the Future that, yeah, first. That's probably the most, fa- most famous one. It's the most it's famous. It's the not the first. Yeah, it's not the first. Some early science fiction uh, did it. Um, even some uh, great B types. I think I think uh, uh, Back to the Future got their idea from one of these science fictions. I wish Back I could the remember. Did, did it in all three movies. Yes, they did in all three. And there was – I think they got the idea uh, because there's something that I wish I could remember in my head. Maybe one of your listeners will remember. But there was a grade B type black and white science fiction movie in the 50s that did the same thing, a picture where people were starting to disappear in this photograph. And the guy couldn't quite figure out. And that's how he realized he was on a different planet at a different time. Uh, and uh, might have even been in a Twilight Zone or something. But anyway – it wasn't new for uh, Back to the Future or even for Krypton, no. but it's a good device to take something from the future and then it change according accordingly, depending on what you're doing in your time. To uh, I think uh, Doctor Who has probably done that a couple of times. Probably used it with a device or a picture or a video or something. I'm sure they've done it. Right, because Doctor Who has such a tight timeline. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what but I, I did like was. Yeah, yeah, you know they were pretty subtle with it. You know they didn't go to the cape every episode. No, very rarely. In fact, we didn't see the cape for several episodes. And then I noticed towards the end of season one, they did a shot back in the fortress, and uh, uh, the cape was rather long again. Well, uh, right, I, right before it had, right before it was affected, and we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, you know, but they're doing some good stuff with it. I think it. I think the the thing that. You know, the thing that I think some of us uh, older particularly have to get over, and maybe even you guys and your age group and the Michael Bailey age group, the guys who grew up with uh, Christopher Reeve and the Donner Krypton, and those of us older who grew up with the, you know, the Kurt Swan and the Wayne Boring and the, the Krypton that was a happy place, a futuristic place that you were really sad to see blow up. They really changed that and made it 
different and cold and dying under Donner. And then um, uh, Man of Steel, I think, brought some real nice Silver Age touches to Krypton. And I think that's what this, this one is. This show took a lot from that first Yeah, and I think that's where – I think that's where we are. Feeling-wise and the look and the feel of Krypton is from the Man of Steel. You get a you get that kind of a vibe. I really would like to see some flying uh, dragons. Uh, we haven't seen any dragons yet. I well, want to see of, a... Dr- one of the executive producers was David Goyer, who wrote Man of Steel. So exactly. He brought exactly. a lot of the same Krypton sensibilities from there. Yeah, he didn't bring show. the dragon. Within the- well... I'm sure I don't think the dragons are in sci-fi's budget. <laughs> no, not in the budget. But it looked cool in Man of Steel, and uh, that was a touch from the Silver Age too. They have uh, dragons on Krypton, green ones with red wings and fire breathers, of course. Uh, but to see what's his face, uh, who played Jor-El in Man uh, of Steel, Russell Crowe, Crow, uh, jump off that ledge onto that dragon, and then underwater. That was a great sequence. That was, was a really good sequence. I loved that. That whole bit, speaking of Krypton, Man of Steel Krypton may have been the highlight of the movie of Man of Steel. And I think think that without that sequence, this show doesn't happen. I agree. Because I think a lot of people responded very favorably of the things people responded favorably to Man of Steel, and we're not going to really go into that. Right. But one of the things that I've never heard anybody complain about was Krypton. Krypton. No, it was great. Good tech, visually stunning uh, and even though you could see it was a dying planet and it had a lot of problems, you could see that at some point in its past, it must have been glorious. And even then, even as a dying planet, it was still living. There were still creatures. Exactly. Exactly. There was just one little house in the snow. Right. And we didn't get that from, from the Donner uh, Krypton. And if nothing else uh, about Man of Steel, I'm so glad. And now this show – has changed Krypton from that white ice crystal everything to something that had some diversity. There's people, there's, you know, this reminded me a little bit of uh, uh, Heinlein and an Asimov, who, science fiction writers who've told these kinds of stories before. And there's a great Star Trek original series episode where people live in the cloud and have no idea what's going on uh, on the planet itself, where the people who mine the ores and work and, you know, are not part of the guild and uh, uh of that star trek episode yes. <laughs> well, well i'm not sure it would be in my top 10 but uh the cloud, she, the cloud yeah yeah but uh, i loved it in the fact that you know star trek sometimes was not very subtle with their so everybody up in the cloud wore bright shiny white clothes and they all were blondes and blue eyes and on the planet even though there weren't mixed races you didn't see any black people down there i don't remember but they were all dark complected dark hair dark clothes you know they just looked um you know they they didn't they weren't gold clean spiff and polished exactly they made them look almost dirty and dingy and you know you couldn't be smart you have no brain you're just labor you know the same you know we've seen it over and over again with you know, one part of society dominating another based on, well, bullshit. But uh, but anyway, I love that. And we're seeing some of that here. Yeah, we do with uh, the, uh, I guess, the, I guess we call them the ranked and the unranked. Exactly. But they didn't so, really go into a whole lot except that they were there. 
Yeah, that's the whole thing. And, and you do see that, you know, even though on the planet, it's a rougher life, you know, but there are business people, there are, you know, there are things happening down there like normal, but it's got a, it's got a Blade Runner type feel to it. The original Blade Runner type feel where it's, you feel like it, it could just rain at any time. It's just dark and not a lot of sunlight, kind of gloomy. But up in the clouds, up in the special places, it's well lit and people are all happy. And, and there's Rao, a whole different take. And we haven't even touched that yet. Oh, no. Yeah, a totally voice of Rao. different take on the voice of Rao. Um, you know, it, and I, again, well, we haven't I, got into what the voice of Rao was revealed to be yet. Not yet. And, and I think that's as interesting because I like the idea that there, that's another way that, that uh, science fiction in the past has talked about religion. And they're using some of those tropes and being able to talk about uh, uh, religion and God and faith and where you put your faith and uh, good versus evil and, you know, best for this versus best for all. And then you get into politics and they've got the greedy backstabbers and the and we, people we do have one. Yes, we do. And we've got it all. So I think the show is doing some of the best types of science fiction in that they are talking things that have good science fiction have always talked about. The things I just mentioned, good versus evil, rich versus poor, politics, race, religion, all of those things. But as part of a bigger action adventure type story, it's not like they're hitting you over the head with any one of these elements, the balance, I think, so far has been pretty good overall. But what do you think of Rao? Not being, before we knew at the end who he was, what Rao is, did you go there knowing who the big bad villain was going to be eventually? Did you think? Well, I knew Well, I knew the big bad villain was Brainiac. They hadn't been shy right. about revealing that, even, no. even early on in the show. Early, I think by the second or third episode, we knew Brainiac was coming. Well, I think even in the first episode, Adam was saying Brainiac is coming. Oh, yeah, that's actually why he – that's why he's here. <laughs> well, he had bad information. Yes. And I did kind of snip this out which by episode three or four that Brainiac didn't seem to be the time traveler that we thought he was. Yeah, I've never considered Brainiac a time traveler. But I've always – the thing I love about this Brainiac, now that we've mentioned him and we're going to talk a little bit on my show about Brainiac, is that – Brainiac, to me, even when I didn't see it on the page as a kid, by the way they told his origin story of him being millennium, eons, old, 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 right. created by a, a, an advanced society of robots, that he was created by them as a midway point to interact with the humanoid population. But I've always considered him ancient and Never have really seen that on the page in the comics. The closest we came was the the Jeff Johns um, uh, Brainiac attacks, right? In the, yeah, which is a, a decent retelling of that. Which kind uh, of retconned all the previous Brainiacs that we? Had oh, seen it totally retconned all the previous Brainiacs. Totally retconned. Uh, but I love what they're doing so far with this Brainiac. He gives me the feeling of being ancient, of really, really old oh yeah and i love that about him and so far he's been really low-key even now seeing the full by 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 season nine i got uh episode nine eight or nine we we actually saw the full brainiac right we actually saw him emerge from his uh right and it is a great combination of the modern jeff johns brainiac 
and the Silver Age Brainiac. But you really have no problem believing he's ancient. And he's being underplayed. He's really quiet. And Yeah, I like that. You know what? Ugh. I think Brainiac lost a little bit of something when we actually saw him, though. I think in the like, episode 10 when he started walking around, the, uh, the mocap was starting to show a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But, I, I, I you know... For the most part, I really did like it before they showed him in in his full. But I think it, it didn't totally ruin it for me when we finally got a reveal of him as a full being and walking. It didn't totally ruin it because of the scene itself. And then you realize what's going on. I also love the, the twist. twist. I love the Go ahead. Oh, the creepiness as, of as Brainiac. Just, yes, yes. He should be creepy. He should be scary and creepy and powerful. And I love the fact that's what I actually liked a little bit about uh, how they played Supergirl, not in this, but in the comic of the Jeff Johns thing. When she realized that Superman, Kal-El, had contacted uh, just a, uh, an advanced Brainiac scout. Right. She was terrified because she was alive on Krypton. She knew the stories of Krypton. She's only in her mind a few months. She was there when Gandor was taken. Exactly. So, and her parents trapped, et cetera, et cetera. And she may not have even known that. Um, so there's so much. No, her parents weren't trapped. They were, they were trapped. They were on Argo City. They were on Argo City and were caught later. Um, but the idea is that they're playing Brainiac so terrifying and so creepy the way it should be for an alien that f- slowly approaches your sky, fills up the sky, and grabs a city entirely from the ground, shrinking it into a bottle and taking it up into its into its ship. The, it, that should be terrifying. And they're playing it just like it should be. We're seeing a Brainiac who is terrifying, terrified, <clears throat> or terrifying. And and I love that aspects of the way they're pulling off this Brainiac so far. Okay. Uh, and I also think it's really interesting that uh, they're playing with the timeline in Krypton because we're going to see Brainiac take Kandor in Kal-El's grandfather's time period, not in Kara's time period. So in well, this there, episode, there is no Kara yet. There is no Kara yet. There's nothing here yet. Yes, exactly. Because it's all, it's, you know, we're 100 years ahead of... 200 years. 200 years. years. Um, Tony, they're very long-lived. Very long-lived. Because this is his grandfather, and uh, we haven't... But I want to go back just a little bit because of... uh, we, We just touched on Adam Strange a little bit. But I like the idea now that Adam Strange, as the series progressed, he shows up, finds Segel says, hey, you got to do these X, Y, and Z things because bad stuff is coming. And if you don't do these things, uh, your grandson won't be born. There will be no Superman. And and that's the basic of the show right there. Okay. So then we get along and we realize that because of somebody else showing up from the future, I guess we can go ahead and say that now too, right? Well, hold on because I want to get into a little bit how the show marketed this season. Okay. Even sci-fi's marketing told us that Brainiac, that Brainiac was traveling in time to prevent Superman from born. Mm. And the show kind of gave you that indication because Adam seemed to think... That Brainiac was following him back in time or he that he was going to get back to think he was following Brainiac back through time. Oh, uh, okay. Right, 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 right. But, okay, but have they actually changed that? Is just now Brainiac has just found Krypton? No, Brainiac... The, when we find out, and we're going to spoil it here, right here, 
when we find out that General Zod is the person to come back to come from the future. Right. He's coming from the future to prevent Krypton from being destroyed. Right. And they kind of seeded that early on because what was he? He was leading the uh, the Black Zero. Right. And he already knew about Brainiac. So. Right. And and uh, oh, there's just so much about Zod too. One, this is a great Zod. Gen- this is, this a, great is a, Zod. this is a great General Zod. I don't know the actor's name, but he's he's a great General Zod. The actor's uh, name is Colin Salmon. Okay. Yeah, he's big bad Zod. He's big. There's no Terrence Stamp in this one. There's no Michael. What was his name? Michael. Michael Shannon. Shannon. Think more. But you know what? This is a Zod you can kind of sympathize with because you know put out, put aside everything he does. Right. This Zod probably did to Superman because he does he does have history with Superman. Yes. He's going back through time to try to save his world for himself. <laughs> for himself. Not, you know, because in his mind, Krypton exploding, creating Superman is the worst thing possible. So he's going back to stop it from exploding, to save Krypton so he can be the big bad ruler. And uh, it kind of looks like he's becoming successful. And another spoiler, and I guessed it like in episode two before there was even a Zod. Before before General Zod, the Zod we know, okay, uh, there is a family Zod, and they are military. Yes, they, they are. They show his grandmother. Yes, they so show his her mother. Name is, her name is Jaina Zod. Jaina Zod. And I guess Primus was some kind of military rank. Yeah, exactly. So she's like the big bad head of the military uh, protectors of... Candor, and in fact, this whole so far, we're in Candor. We're yep. not in Kryptonopolis. We're not in a, this. So far, this season, this story has taken place in Candor. Candor, and, and it above seems like Candor, this is not a united Krypton. Uh, it doesn't. It seems like all of it the city states seem to uh, seem autonomous. Yes, yes. And uh, I was glad they brought up Kryptonopolis towards the end, and uh, certain members of the hierarchy that we know. Well, I say we know. We don't know anything because, again, they're playing timey-wimey. They're using the names, but in different ways. But none of the people that we know uh, can be in in Candor when it is shrunk. They got to be somewhere else for the story to continue. Well, no, they can't. No, they can't be in Candor. But we had three okay. generations of Zod in the episode. We had Grandma Zod, right? We had we Mama have Zod, Mama Zod. Now we have General Zod. We even have Papa Zod, and we have yes, but here. Is the, Here's the trick, folks, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to spoil this one because I guessed this. We're assuming like, you've seen Krypton if you're listening to this episode. Yeah, we're, we're assuming you've seen But in the second or third episode, when uh, Segel pops out of the covers, you know, and he's obviously uh, spent the night with this female person, this lady that yeah, he's with. Why is that? And when we find out that her last name is Zod, I went, oh, no. Are you kidding? You're kidding, right? Don't be kidding. You're kidding. No, you're not. And so now, season seven or eight, or episode seven or eight, we find out, yes, Jor-El and Zod are half-brothers. Yes, they had the same father, but different mothers. Same father, different mothers, and he becomes a Zod instead of an L, probably because of what's going to happen. So how are you planning on getting inside? I'd like to know that, too. Because all that firepower isn't going to get you in there. You need a Zod and an L. And I won't do it. 
I don't need you to. Lie to me. You once asked if I knew who my father was. At the time, I didn't. But I do now. House of Zod. House of El. You're both. You're my son. Well, at them at this time, also Second. he's not an L. L is not a gilded thing. He's lost his. What are they calling them? They're not royal. Call it his rank. His rank. The House of L has been stripped of its rank because of Segel's grandfather. So we're going back. We've got Kal El, our guy. Then Jor El has not been born yet. Segel, who the story is about, then his father must have been a wimp or something that they just don't want to talk too much about, right? Because they were they they died in like episode two, I think. Yeah, they he they killed mom and dad uh, pretty quickly. Segel's mom and dad, but then the main bat heavy, not bad guy. The main L was talk, grandfather Val L. Val L. Exactly. Let's talk about Val L for a few. Yeah, Val L is. Oh, I like Val L. He's the Obi Wan Kenobi of Krypton. You know, uh, Luke. If you go with Skywalker. Skywalker. If you go with Segel as a Skywalker type character, then uh, 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 Valel is his Obi Wan. He's a computer simulation until uh, Episode Ten. Adam should have given this to someone else. Should have given his life for mine. But he chose you. Yeah, well, you met Adam. Must be killing dead, but it wasn't exactly the brightest star in the sky. I mean, he picked a guy whose only accomplishment is having his grandson, who will never meet. Who does something great one day, comes a hero, comes this. Superman. Do you know the origins of the El Sigil? It comes from an ancient Kryptonian word that means hope. Our house wasn't just given that symbol. Our ancestors chose it. And the generations to follow defined it. Not through words. But through action. As long as there is an L on Krypton, there will be hope. And hope can be a powerful weapon. And when once Segel, well, actually, it's it's Adam Strange tells Segel, you gotta find the fortress, you gotta do this. Once they find the fortress, they get into the fortress and activate all the stuff, then Segel's grandfather appears as a hologram and guides him and tells him all the stuff and basically why 
the L family lost all of its standing uh, and uh, will be trying to get it back. I don't think it's Segel though that gets it back. It's, I think it's good. I I I do believe that elves have to be narcissists. They seem to enjoy making holograms of themselves. Yeah, they do, don't they? And statues. They they really like statues and all. Because you think of our fortress, and we think, wow, that's really cool. Because Superman in his fortress made like huge statues of Jor El and Lara holding Krypton. Yeah, the monument to his dead world. Yeah, exactly. But in the this fortress, the elves just make statues of themselves. They all do because in this fortress, which is on Krypton, which was built by his great great grandfather, uh, there's a couple of huge statues there holding stuff up. So, as long uh, as that, the purpose is Valel is wearing the new Fifty Two Superman costume. Yeah, I couldn't quite figure that out either. <laughs> other than, well, the show was planned and done during that time period. It worked. Uh, it, worked it worked for him though. It works for him, and uh, it's more of a, a nice jacket with a cape than it is any yeah. kind of uh, armor. You know, he would have looked really stupid in either armor or uh, the skin tight stuff. So I think they did. I, they I did what they I should. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think Valel's costume looks looks good. I have no problem with that. And they're using kind of a a little bit of an elongated version of the Superman S of the Henry Cavill the Man of Steel S. It's a little longer. But it's got that big wide middle section. It's a nice looking. Right. It does. Uh, the, only, the main difference is it doesn't need to have that snake like corner that Cavill's S does. Right. Right. But it's still it's still a nice S symbol. Oh, it it's is. still it's still good. It looks good on screen. Uh, but so now we've got an interesting part. This is an interesting thing with Adam Strange as he starts the segment. He he's there to make sure that. They do what they need to do. Uh, but now, by the end of the episode, because Zod has changed everything and he's kind of gotten into Segel's head, and now Segel realizes that Zod is his son, is starting to mess him up. Right. And Adam Strange realizes that in order for history to continue and there be a man of steel, Brainiac has to take Candor. So now Adam Strange has to stop Zod and company from stopping Brainiac right. taking Candor. So we've got time travel and uh, the cape. We've got the grandfather. We've got Zod, a whole family of Zods. A whole family of Zods. So we got did, Brainiac. When, when did you figure out that uh, Seg was uh, Zod's father? I guess it's the one. His name is what, Drew Zod? Drew Zod. As soon as the scene uh, early on, episode two or three, when Segel slept with the girl Zod. With, uh, with uh, Lyda? Yeah, with her. When I knew realized her name was Zod, and I, I went, uh-oh, uh-oh. This was before we knew Zod was around, too. Yes, before Zod was even – I didn't know they were going to bring Zod on the show, but I thought, uh-oh. So, Segel, you dog, you're going to have Jor-El probably through the normal processes of of uh, Krypton. Uh, of Krypton. But, see, his, his ranked wife – which we haven't even mentioned yet. No. All a kind of political intrigue in the clouds. Segel's wife, uh, her father is in charge of Candor. He's like the head guy of Candor. Right. Until until the voice of Rao is really the head thing and then we find out well the voice of Rao is really Brainiac. Right. But but he's conniving and misleading, but she is now not pregnant but has already mixed her and DNA I with Segel's in the egg thing. But they've given that uh, child a name, and it's not Jor-El. Right. Well, at this time, uh, the House of El is still 
Exactly. It's right. So, so he's going to, so if everything keeps going, not only will Segel produce the Zod we know, he'll have to at some time, he's producing this other baby with what's her face. He'll at some point have to produce Jorel and Zorel. They're brothers, science guys, and one is Kara's father. Right. Well, we have to imagine in, in the unaltered timeline. In the unaltered, the timeline that Adam Strange is trying to save. Right. They, had, the to have been, they had to have been something that restored the house yes. of Bell. Maybe yes. after Candor was taken, they said, oh, crap, you were right. And yes. We don't know. The maybe get restored after that. Yes, because the way it ended brought all kinds of great intrigue and stuff that's happening. And it looks like uh, General Zod is being General Zod and going to do what he wants. And someone's going to have to it, stop him, and we're all going to have to kneel before Zod. The future of our city, and indeed our entire planet, is now assured. Brainiac is no more. We are safe. We have faced the greatest existential threat imaginable, and we have prevailed. We will never find ourselves in a position of such vulnerability again. Today marks the beginning of a new era. The rankless will now be given purpose and conscripted into our Sagittarii. Our military might will never again be questioned. Candor will no longer need to fear the scourge of terrorism. There will be no insurgency, no uprising. For we all share a common goal. To unite Krypton! Today, stars as we rebuild our planet will be the jewel in the crown of an intergalactic empire we will seek out civilizations beyond our system and we will conquer them if they submit peacefully they will fall under my protection and shall never know fear again but if they do not then like the recalcitrant leaders of Krypton's other city-states we see before us, eventually, they will all kneel before Zod. Kneel before Zod. It was and brilliant. Oh, boy, did he deliver that, didn't he? Uh, uh, but yeah, great. It was a great scene. And, and, and uh, so anyway, so that's what we've got. We've got, we've got uh, Segel. And, uh, you know, I think they're doing enough intrigue, even if you know or you think you know what's supposed to happen. I'm trying to watch this, though, with eliminating all of that, just getting all of that out of my brain and going, okay, eventually the planet has to blow up, Krypton, or Kandor has to be shrunk, right, but I, not I, necessarily now. Well, I don't know. It's, it's got to be done soon, because sci-fi will cancel a successful show on a whim. <laughs> well, you know, but in the timeline of the way they're putting they the show together. Rip the expanse right out from under me. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, you know, they could because let's let's say that the promo for this was true, that this is a brainiac who has come back in time to do the stuff that he was going to do normally, but that he's already done. But now he's coming back to do it earlier because we'll have to assume in Superman's time when he shows up on Earth, uh, he's already been to Krypton and shrunk Kandor and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. 
So it doesn't mean that it had to have been done during Segel's time. It could have been done shortly before the planet blew up, like in the Jeff Johns story or other stories where the idea was, um, in some uh, some tellings of the story, the mere fact that Brainiac took Candor destabilized even more the already unstable core. And which that seems, and that seems to be what they're going with here. Yes, that in in a way. Uh, Brainiac's taking of Candor either accelerated or was the catalyst, the cause of Krypton's exploding. And in Jeff John's uh, telling of the the story, if I'm not getting this wrong, uh, after Brainiac takes the cities he wants from the dying planets, he sends a, a missile into its sun, which causes the sun to do this thing, which engulfs and blows the planets up. Well, that, that's uh, what he did out. on Earth. When he- <clears throat> And that's what he did in the Jeff Johns story, right. yes. But that's apparently how he was doing it, too. He had done that prior to Krypton. That was just part of his modus operandi. Right, but, if, but, if, but if I remember the Jeff Johns story, I mean, they only really told that story from Kara's point of view. Yeah. But I don't know. I have this feeling that I, I remember Brainiac knowing that Krypton was dying anyway. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, he may have thought that, too. That does ring a bell. He may have... And just said, well, they're dying anyway. And I'm no grabbing Candor. And- I'll grab Candor and, yeah, the sun will take care of its planet, will take care of itself. Right. Uh, right. But when he got to Earth, he had to blow us up because we weren't going to blow up by ourselves. You know, that's also an animated, uh, one of those animated movies called Superman Unbound. Yes. Uh, which is based, on, the, which is based on that Jeff John story. It's the Jeff John story, and fairly close to the Jeff John's telling of that. Uh, I like this Brainiac better than that Brainiac, uh, particularly the ending of that Brainiac, the Unbound and the Jeff John's. I didn't care for the ending, and I hope they don't end this Brainiac that way. Well, I don't, I don't know if they're going to end this Brainiac. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think they will. I don't think at, this series will do it. At some point, they do have to, if the show gets a proper ending. Yeah, exactly. If it does get a few seasons to tell the story and then, um, you know, get to the. One of my concerns early on for this show was what happens when this story runs its course? Planet blows up. Well, they still have 200 years before the planet. Yeah, you see, that's the that's the thing. They'll have to do a quick time lapse time. The last season will be a montage of Segel's children growing up, everything going back to normal, the cape getting long again, Adam Strange beaming out as the planet explodes and the rocket ship takes off. And since there is time travel, that can be done. Yeah, exactly. Follow Adam Strange uh, bouncing through time, but yeah. obviously this is our problem needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that's to me that was a nice little surprise here in the last three episodes. Uh, you bring they bring Zod in, and you really don't like him at all, and he's just a great, great Zod. Um, <clears throat> you do feel for him, but again, like you're saying, yes, he wants to save his planet, but it's totally for his own. You know, uh, if he could rule Earth, I think he would have probably done that too and made right. it easier. And like. I want to talk about some. I want. We haven't really talked much about Seg yet. Yes, let's talk about Seg. But what did you think of uh, Seg and the actor who played him? Not bad. I, I didn't care for him in the first twenty minutes. I thought, oh, this is going to be really bad. I didn't like him at all at first, um, but uh, he kind of grew on me. Kind of grew on me, and I liked his buddy. His his buddy, uh, the, the bartender. bartender. Yeah, I liked him too. <clears throat> is got a nice buddy there, good friend, and. Uh, uh, 
overall, I like Segal. I think that he's he has become more complex than I originally thought for the House of L. I want the L family to be smart. I don't want him to be stupid. I don't want him to be led through by the nose uh, by Zod. And uh, he needs to see the light. Segel needs to see the light. Well, you got to imagine he probably is. Right now, yeah. He, he didn't have, well, his uh, final fate of season one was to end up in the Phantom Zone with Brainiac. Yeah. And we'll talk about the Phantom Zone, which seems to operate a little bit differently, too. Yeah, and this is another thing. The, uh, uh, again, in, in the comics, the Phantom Zone seemed to just kind of continue on a linear timeline with the rest of the universe. Yeah, but they never grew old or changed. Right. They, were, they were ageless. The, yes. That was the only thing. You know, yes. They stayed yeah. as they were. Where Exactly. In this show, it seems though it's more outside of time. Yeah, and it's they weird. they seem to have access to all parts of the timeline. Exactly. When, and, in episode 10, when Valel himself comes out, he seems to know the future. Yes, as if when you're in there, all of time is at your, uh, I want to say disposal, but it's at your beck and call. Right. You can see it all. You are all. They did some of that in the uh, in the uh, Deep Space Nine came to mind, the, the people who lived in the wormhole. Yeah, the prophets, yeah. The prophets, where they, they didn't see time linear. There was, it is, and always will be. It is just everything is always happening at the right. same time. And the thing, but the thing at DC uh, group at, and look at them, it almost kind of reminded me of the time mask. The thing that bothers me a little bit about that is that uh, depending on you know how early in the Silver Age comics you were reading, Jor-El invented the Phantom Zone. This is uh, now we're you know a uh, hundred and fifty years before Jor-El. And the Phantom Zone is something that has been used for quite some time, apparently, on Krypton. Well, they and, they just kind of it just seemed like they kind of yanked the Phantom Zone out of the air. And it, it well, it's almost like it it is a place that it exists. I was pretty sure Val El was dead. Did yeah, have, I did, thought he was too. They gave the impression that he was dead, uh, but no, he was just in the Phantom Zone. Right. So okay, well, interesting. Those are some things that, like I say, 10, 12 years ago, that would have really pissed me off, you know. Uh, but prequels have that problem. Uh, some can overcome it and still do a good show like Enterprise, a prequel to the regular Star Trek. Well, gee, why does your bridge look better than theirs? And why do you have communicators and holodecks before, you know, you... Uh... So sometimes you just have to go along with it. And, and I think the... The, them having the Phantom Zone 150 years before they do, you can almost justify it by saying Jor-El didn't invent the Phantom Zone. He invented a way to tap into it easier. Well, I don't think Jor-El, even in the comics, Jor-El ever invented the Phantom Zone, did he? Yeah, he invented the did Phantom Zone projector. No, he invented the Phantom Zone projector. And he therefore discovered the zone. He in, apparently in discovered the zone, right? And a way to then move people to and from it with his Phantom Zone projector. So maybe that's the difference. Zorel eventually will just invent something that better controls the comings and goings of the Phantom Zone. Don't know. I don't know. But uh, uh, did the real Valel have any uh, scenes with Adam Strange in that episode? I think in the last episode, yes. He didn't seem to offer a whole lot of backup. No. Because Val knows that Krypton needs to be destroyed and that Kandor needs to be taken for the timeline to progress. Well, maybe he's trying to save Krypton, too, in a way. 
I mean, that's one of the real interesting things. You know, how do you tell these people that in order for X to happen, their planet has to has to die? Right, right. And well, you know, and from some of their points of view, you can almost see it. You mean you want this planet of a couple of billion people to die so that one man can survive? Right. Well, that's a special one man, though. They don't know that. No, they don't. Well, all he did was come through time with a tablecloth. <laughs> well, it's got the right S on it. It does have the right S on it, but it, beyond that, it, and, and it shimmered and disappeared a little bit. But beyond you know, that, and he, had in, no real, he had no real proof of his claims. Well, in Grant Morrison's take of the origin story, the red cape is actually Kal-El's grandfather's. It would have been Segel's cape in uh, in the Grant Morrison story, although he wasn't called Segel then. It was, I forget what his grandfather was called, Superman's grandfather. Because Jor-El, just before he puts the baby in the rocket, in the Grant Morrison retelling of the origin, he grabs the his father's cloak, Jor-El's father's cloak, from the, it was hanging on the wall, and wraps the baby in that uh, with a crystal of knowledge and whatever so the cape is important the cape is for all of those people who don't think it is you're wrong and uh apparently adam strange is a detroit tigers fan <laughs> which seems a little weird. Yeah. yeah a little bit a little bit <clears throat> could have been a mets fan I was, trying to fi- <laughs> I was trying to figure out if that was a reference to something but i don't know what the detroit tigers yeah or Detroit? Uh, not really, because even in the Adventures of Superman, I was trying to think George Reeves taking Jimmy to, that was a White Sox game. Um, Adam Strange from Detroit? Maybe. I don't even know Adam Strange well enough, the story to know. But when I see it, all I think about is uh, uh, Magnum. Magnum wore Tiger's hat. Yeah, I couldn't figure out why uh, yeah. Adam, Magnum. Tr- Adam Strange is working the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, I have no idea why Adam Strange is wearing it. And he I, didn't want to part with it. No, he did not. I would have liked to have seen uh, Adam Strange in his uh, regular costume. That would be cool that if it's some at some point. We do. Yeah, because I thought once in that one scene where the whoever the Zeta Beam people take him, um, and we have the scene of him in his white room, then uh, I thought there for a second because of the way they were talking that that he might have to you know don some sort of outfit of some kind to make him but he, they didn't they went back and and you know backpack and cowboy i mean baseball cap so oh. in the new 62 continuity he was canadian in the post-crisis he was from chicago <laughs> well but adam strange, adam strange is older than that yeah he's silver he was 60s maybe older maybe 50s you know mystery in space i think was part of the comic he was in I'd have to check that. I don't remember off the top of my head. But either way, we have no idea why he was wearing a Detroit, Detroit Tigers, Tigers cap. cap. And it's obviously not a yeah. But we do have Adam Strange, right. which is he's kind of the you know instigator of this. But he's not the main guy. I mean, we see him in a lot of scenes early on and he, back and forth. That's what Adam Strange does. He kind of comes in and out. He comes in and out. Uh, but uh, uh, I think the interesting arc for him is now he's going to seem like a bad guy because uh, one of the last scenes, we he's got to make sure that Candor, that Brainiac is successful and takes Candor right. and uh, Zod is defeated. And now he has to defeat Zod. That was interesting, cool, because he recognized Zod immediately when Zod yeah. showed up. Yes, he and he put a gun to his head so quick. Yeah, he knew who Zod was. Yeah. I don't know if Zod knew who he was. Yeah, I'm not sure Zod knew who he was either, but uh, he knew who Zod was. 
And uh, that was a good enemy. Yeah. So uh, I think they've done that really well in, in spite of the purists, I think would just, you know, have a conniption with uh, Jor-El and Zod being half brothers. Um, but, uh, and I, I can't say that I'm crazy about it either. No, I but do. I like the deal, idea. It's not a deal breaker for me. It's not a deal breaker, but I do like, I, I prefer uh, that they were close friends that had a parting of the ways and a change in, you know, they just saw things differently because of the way that they were test tubed. You know, Jor-El was a scientist and wanted to save what he could through science. And Zod is total military, man. Take over. Let's do it. Neil, I'll save everybody. Right. So, and, uh, and that was where the split always was. They both agreed that Krypton was dying. Yes. Yeah. They but both that, wanted to save Krypton. They just want to save it yeah. in a different way. And even here, Zod mentions and talks that he loved Jor-El, that they were close, close friends. It's Kal-El he's got a real problem with. Right. And every time somebody even mentions that, Segel goes, I, I don't, don't even, what are you talking, no, grandson, I got this other thing with here and this other thing with that, and you're telling me now I've got even another one that, according to this guy, becomes the greatest hero in the universe, and according to you, you want to kill him. So one of my sons wants to kill one of my sons wants to kill my grandson. That does I don't like that. Yeah. But so he, anyway, he's yeah, but he doesn't really uh, do anything about it. It seems nothing. So, uh, yeah. You know, Zod says a few words about how. Uh, I think it's something to the effect that Kalo wants nothing to do with Krypton or something like that. Right. You know, le- leaving out the fact that he was raised on a different planet. They don't. Uh, he doesn't acknowledge the fact that uh, you know that he grew up on a different world and without Kryptonian influence. So right. this is all he knows. Why would he give that up? No, Zod, Zod and uh, Kalo definitely had their uh, had their fights in the past and uh, or in the future, past, future, future, past. Right. And clearly. This is not the uh, movie Zod because he's alive. <laughs> His neck is firmly attached. Firmly attached. And so he has had run-ins in the future with Superman. You know, it's almost, again, it's kind of weird because they're, it's almost like the Superman that Adam Strange is talking about is a mix of the, of the Silver and Burn Age Superman. It's it's the you know the good guy the happy guy the guy who is the greatest hero. It's not the new fifty two downtrodden. Oh, I'm all be- oh, people people. Uh. Well, that's it's not gone anyway. Exactly, we're and back, it's not the we're back to the happy guy. But it's not the Man of Steel who was questioning whether I should be a Superman or not or this or that. So it's not that Zod, and that Zod's dead, and he didn't. That Superman that killed that Zod didn't have time to become. The Silver Age Superman with the yellow cape, yellow S on his cape, the happy guy. So this has to be an entirely different Superman from the movie Superman, the Cavill Superman. I never, I didn't, you know, I can easily separate it from the Cavill Superman. Absolutely. I'm sure there are some people who don't want to because of how how it looks. Right. And the the Goyer thing and all. Right. And the Goyer thing. And, I mean, anything else you say about Superman. I mean, Adam Strange could easily come from 20 years ago. Exactly, exactly. But so that's why... I, In the you know, future of where Superman is. Right, of right. Of that time. Of that time period, right. It could really be uh, any Superman. Yes, but but because of the look of the cape and the things that Adam Strange says about this Superman, the greatest, the happiest, the savior of all, not savior as in Jesus, there have, they have uh, thankfully avoided the space Jesus stuff so far. Uh 
at least as far as the L family is concerned. And even to some degree, putting a little bit of be careful who you pray to kind of comments because of the whole voice of Rao thing, you know. Um, so, so far, they've avoided that. And I'm, I'm real happy about that. Um, so were, that, were, you, were you surprised to see that this this candor, at the very least, we know nothing about Kryptonopolis or any other places, right? Is kind of ruled by religion. Uh, yeah, yeah, that surprised me quite a bit. That uh, for at least this time period, the voice of Rao is a tangible God on the planet type thing that they uh, at least um, say that they basically like being ruled by the Pope. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, I, you know, yeah, that surprised me a little bit, but um, because of the way they're playing it, everybody is kind of, you know, it's a wink and a nudge. Yeah, right. So, um, and now we see that Raoul was really brainiac taking advantage of their willingness to believe in a God creature. Uh, so uh, we're going to see how all that unfolds uh, because, uh, and the little girl who was somehow possessed by brainiac. Did she blow up? Did she blow up there at the end? Was that her blowing up in the in the town square? I thought it was. Yeah, might have been. Might have been. Yeah. Uh, yeah, some of that was a little surprise. There have been some deaths, murder death kills. Yes, there have been. Been some murder death kills. What was that movie? Uh, that was Demolition Man, I think. Demolition Man, that's right. Sylvester Stallone. Um, what's her face? Sandra Bullock. Oh, yeah. Hi, Sandra Bullock. Yeah, I like Sandra Bullock. Who, who else? Uh, we had the we had the two Zods. We had we had Jack Sawyer in this show. Yes, female Jack Sawyer in this in this one. And that and, and that and that didn't cause any kind of uh, trouble on the internet at all. And it shouldn't. It it shouldn't cause any trouble at all. Even though you're being a little facetious, there 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 was some. I saw some guys getting a little upset. Uh, but it, it shouldn't. Jack Sawyer is one of the characters that could be female as easily as male that's that's not a big deal a scientist that wants to do some stuff and blows up a moon uh, you know what else though happened to be from what we've seen though this yeah. character didn't have to be jack sir no it could it could have been any other character uh it didn't bother me that it was jack sir and that they mentioned the silver age jack sir stuff that the reason jack sir was in trouble and a wanted criminal was for blowing up a moon Wedge that happened to be right? huh yeah i think i've forgotten but, uh, yeah, and that's directly out of the comic books. That's Wait, why so Jack's there. Did she blow up the moon yet, or? Uh, I think so. I think so. I'm a little far. I've only seen each episode once. I didn't really go back and study. But uh, I thought they mentioned that that's why she was a, uh, an on-the-run, most-wanted criminal leader of the Black Zero underground and all that. was. And Val is not in the Phantom Zone, right? Val is still in the real world, right? Val is in the real world. I, it, I, I think we're going to see a little bit of Val L and Jack sort of teaming up in uh, season two. We might because they were. Uh, they seem that they seem to agree on things. Yeah, almost like they were uh, had a very close relationship they at one point. Or yeah, so I think we'll see more of that. And she kind of looked at him like maybe they had a fling of some kind. Right. So we don't really know. They didn't go into that. It was totally. I'm totally pulling that out of the air. Was when did that little smirk, that little smile. That she gave him was that a uh, you know was that a little sexual tension or hey I've seen you naked you know I don't know because they're not really putting a lot of that we've seen Segal we've seen a few uh, uh, sexy scenes sex scene not sexy but sex right. scenes 
but that's not really played up. Uh, that's not a way to procreate on Krypton well, still. It, or is that not a way for the upper class to procreate? Yeah, that's that's something they haven't gone into great detail either. The rankless don't seem to have access to Genesis chambers. No, they don't. So it seemed like in the cloud, you don't, you know, sex might be for pleasure, but you, that's not how you procreate. Uh, and I'm not even sure that they use that for pleasure. Uh, other than we have seen Segel now... Um, uh, um, enjoying, yes. And we've actually seen Anna Zod. What's her name? Uh, Mama Zod, not Grandma Zod. Uh, Lida Zod. Lida Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting character. Sure. Uh, you know, her, her, you know, wanting to do the right thing, but still willing to, you know, be a Zod, go the limit. And what kind of mother must she have been to raise General Zod? A General Zod seems to be very much his grandmother's grandson. Uh, yeah. I but saw a lot does. of General Zod in, uh, Jane, in her mother. Uh, yeah, but, you know, but Zod himself talked about Mama Zod the way we're seeing Grandma Zod. So at some point, Mama Zod, the one who makes out with Segel, who becomes a... In the in the uh, original unaltered timeline that we know nothing about and that I'm... That we don't know anything about, but in that... About, maybe she's hardened by the loss of Kandor. Maybe. I think that might be the thing. That's why I said early on, most of the people we've been seeing in these stories, the Zod family, the El family, the Ur family, the other family that I don't remember their name. I thought at once she was calling them Devim, but can't, that can't be Devim. But well, his name was Devim. They, they, did, they did call him Devim then. Well, he, right. was, he was Devim. The guy yeah. who was, uh, you know what, you would compare, you would, when, earlier when you were talking about this, you would compare to the Gotham a little bit. Yeah, you know what I think a better comparison is mm. the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Oh yeah, you're probably right. All the stuff is there, but not quite where, where it's supposed where, to be. Where the one bad guy comes back through time and screws yeah. everything up. Yeah, and sets the timeline off in its own direction. Yeah, That's- and they might do that with this, but I don't think they can to a large degree. Certain things have to take place. Krypton still has to do with, as Andy Leland likes to say, it's one job. It's one job. It's got to blow up. Yeah. But before it blows up, Jor-El must be born and must have a daughter, I mean, a son with Lara. That has to happen. If nothing else happens, that has to happen. So the timeline does have to be set. And it can't be through some John Byrne matrix, your DNA, my DNA goo and be born in Kansas. That can, that, hopefully we're through with all that crap that regardless of whether the ranked still do it that way or not, the L family will procreate like he did with Zod. He will do the same with Jor-El and Jor-El will do the same with Lara and they will have a naturally born son who grows up on earth and becomes the greatest superhero of them all. And not which, in this series. Which, no, which is right out of Man of Steel. Exactly. The, one of, a big thing about Man of Steel was that Kal-El was the first natural birth on Krypton and Century. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I didn't I didn't have a problem with that as long as uh, he is born of natural. And I don't know why that bothers me. I think it bothers me because it should have been a baby that they're launching. There's more dramatic. There's more heartfelt. There's more, you know, uh, angst, more ripping of your soul and your heart and your gut of a parent putting a child 
in a rocket ship and sending it off the planet than putting a bunch of goo in a test tube and sending the Matrix off and saying, well, I hope the Matrix works, darling. And I think that was, to me, we mentioned uh, the Man of Steel. Again, that was some of the most incredible scenery and most poignant stuff was um, when Laura finally sends the baby the rocket off. The one who had to do it. And she had to do it. And she did it. And then walked right out and stayed out and, and, and faced the destruction head on. What a great scene that was. I mean, if they come even close to that in this series... Uh, they'll achieve a lot. I, I came into this from Zod. And he didn't know who his father was. Mm. I don't think Zod knew. Zod knew who his father was in the in this series before he found out. Before he actually met Segel and found out that Segel is his dad. Yeah. So you don't think that Zod ever knew that he was half brothers with Jor El? Because wasn't there a line in one of the episodes where Zod says that his mother told him her father was his father was killed in the battle to save Kandor? Yes, I think you're right. That was when I first started to suspect that Jorel was his father. Yeah. Because if Jorel is restored, she can't necessarily reveal who Druzad's father is because there'd probably be some kind of scandal. So she has to make something up. And there's probably going to be some kind of scandal because apparently he's born, born naturally. Again, if things occur the way they're going to occur. Anyway, this timey-wimey stuff gives me a bit of a headache. Yeah, me a little bit, but I love it. I, oh, I, I, just, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't. Yeah, but I, I, I do love time and playing with time and then seeing how they're, you know, going to, um, how they're going to pull it off. If in fact they even do. And the reason I say that is that never in my mind or knowledge of the Superman history has Zod and Jor-El ever been brothers. No. Ever. Close friends, um, you know, know each other, one part of military. Yeah. All of that. Jeff Johns did it. Uh, a bunch of people have done it even back in the silver age. They've been friends, and then they've had a split over. And they had a split over something, right. And usually it's because Jor-El knows the planet's blowing up and they want to take different ways of saving Krypton. Purists are just going to be – would just say, no, I'm just, that's a deal breaker. I, you can't do that. Zod and Jor-El cannot be because then if you follow that through to the other timelines and other things that have happened in the movies and stuff, that means Kal-El killed his uncle in Man of Steel. Superman killed Zod. Zod is his father's half-brother. Therefore, you know, so you get into all this other stuff that doesn't really need to be there. And sometimes I think they overcomplicate things. Yeah, but you know what? If, you, if it's limited that. to this one incarnation, then it, if it works for the story that that they're telling. Yeah, again, exactly. For me, this time it's not a deal-breaker. And it was a little soap opera-ish. In that, you know, the organ could almost played when he turned around and goes, that means you're my bum, 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 bum. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So they, you know, it was, but it wasn't a deal breaker. And like I say, as soon as I realized that, uh-oh, Kal-El's grandfather just got out of bed with a woman named Zod, I knew immediately so we're looking six episodes ahead that, oh, even in this timeline, uh, there are going to be family-connected things here. So, But again, because it's in this timeline and I've already accepted the idea that things are not going to happen the way I want them to or the way I would have done it. But if they tell an interesting story with these characters and uh, Brainiac is really cool, Zod is a big, big baddie, and – in episode 10, 
we heard some pounding on a safe door. Yes. So season two, all in the same, we'll have Zod, we'll have Brainiac, and we'll have Doomsday. Something that don't happen later. Zod could probably, General Zod could probably open that up by himself. Uh, yes, because he has, he has both, both the blood L of L and Zod in his veins, whereas Segel needed a Zod's blood mixed with his to open it. He could probably so, open it himself. Yeah, but Zod can open it himself, I think, because he already opened that one door by himself because he realized, oh, okay, God. or was that his? Yes, yes, he did. He did that by pouring his blood down on the S emblem, the emblem of L. It filled in and changed it to a combination Zod-L emblem. And and it will open, and he can he'll be able to do the same thing I think with the safe, but we may not need to because Doomsday might get out. And the quick glimpse they showed of Doomsday looked better than the Batman v Superman Doomsday. Oh, looked so much better. We're talking on a TV budget and just a glimpse, and it already looked better than uh, BVS Doomsday. Yeah, Regardless how, of what you think of the movie. Yeah, and but just how, how, how can it look when they have to show it all the time? Though? Yeah, that's true. So we won't know, though, if next season we actually see him full spiky self out doing stuff. Uh, is it just going to look like a CG monster or is it going to look cool? We don't know. We don't know. Um, but so far, I'm not totally disappointed in the show. And in fact, I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah, so I, I guess that's kind of my overall thing. You know, when the show was announced, I was kind of like... Yeah. Really? Who cares? Yeah. But, you know, I, I started looking forward to it more when they introduced the time, the time travel concept. Right. Okay, uh, that makes it a little more interesting. Yeah. And even like you mentioned, I'm kind of going back to thinking now that this is a Brainiac from the future rather than Brainiac showing up at Krypton the first time ahead of schedule. Yeah, see, I hadn't considered that this is Brainiac coming early. Yeah. So, um, but I think I'm going to have to go with you then and uh, agree that their ad, the reason Brainiac is here is because he has come back through time for some reason or another to try to make sure that the planet blows up prior to uh, Kal-El being born and uh, still gets what he wants, but no Superman. Uh, so I think that's going to be interesting because... So it's possible that, here we go. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach here now. Okay. Brainiac is in the Phantom Zone, Right. They sent Brainiac at the end into the Phantom Zone. At the end, the last scene, yes. So Brainiac and Segel are in the Phantom Zone. Are in the Phantom Zone. So what you're saying is we could possibly see another Brainiac show up. Yes, because if this Brainiac is the one from the future that in that original timeline had already been to Krypton, but later in the history of Krypton, shortly before it blew up, taking Kandor with Jor-El and Kara already being born, et cetera, et cetera, Argo City, all that stuff, then this Brainiac we're seeing now right. is the Brainiac from the future who had already done that but comes back in time to a time prior to him taking all that stuff to make sure that Kal-El doesn't get off the planet. So now it's the future Brainiac in the Phantom Zone and the past Brainiac would still be out there. That, that's and the past Brainiac is still out there, and he'll have to come and free this Brainiac. <laughs> Not necessarily. No, he won't. That won't happen. Because once they revealed Zod to be the time traveler, they seemed to just kind of abandon the idea that Brainiac was from the future. They seemed they were all suddenly convinced that Brainiac was, this is the Brainiac that was coming anyway. Right, right. No, but I kind of like the idea that now it's three different guys from the future with 
motives. Zod wants to prevent Krypton from exploding, thus keeping Kal-El from being born and him being, and now Zod, total ruler of Krypton. And um, probably knowing the future, if he can survive and save Krypton at least long enough to build a fleet of ships, etc., etc., so that even if he knows Krypton's going to blow up in 200 years, he's taking charge of Krypton 200 years before it blows yeah, up. I, I can go with this because if he knows that the past Brainiac is still coming, mm-hmm. prepare for it. Exactly. But he, that's what caught him off guard a little bit is that Brainiac is here now because maybe he didn't expect to come back in the past and find Brainiac already here. But when, when, when we meet him in the cave, he already knows about Brainiac. But how long has he been on Krypton? We don't know how long he's been around. Yeah, we don't know how long Zod has actually been on Krypton in the past. Uh, That might have been him in the Dark Shadows they showed at one of the scenes earlier in the bar with Segel when Adam Strange first got there. There was a couple of guys that had hoods on and shit and walked out in the the, uh, uh, shadows. You know, I didn't think of anything at the time, but maybe one of those guys was Zod. Maybe. So, you know, they can do what you inter you know, interject time travel, you can go a lot of different directions. Um, so, uh, but I think they've got some good elements going that if you're going to play in that sandbox of the Krypton sandbox in a prequel where really the only thing you really have to do at a certain point, well, there are a few things. Brainiac has to take Candor. He has to survive. Zod has to survive. And uh, uh, Segel has to have a bunch of kids. Well, Segel yeah. has to come out of the Phantom Zone first. Well, he's got to. Yeah, well, so does Brainiac. So Segel and Brainiac. Oh, it, because of the other Brainiac is eventually well, coming. It, it, well, that's all depending on what if this is the future Brainiac or the past. Right. Brainiac. Right. You know, and well, at first I I, I kind of went, is that really Brainiac? I mean, could couldn't he just send the uh, yeah one of his robot scouts? Yeah, as kind of just pretend to be him and yeah. Because I think originally that's what the voice of Rao was. Right, it was, was a Brainiac just, scout. It was a Brainiac scout, right. Uh, but then he had infected a lot more people than anybody had realized. Right. And then Brainiac himself has shown up now. Right, Brainiac could just kind of beam his consciousness down. Right. So, But, you know, now we actually have a Brainiac that looks like Brainiac, and he's very cool. Um, and I thought there was another character I wanted to talk about, and I forgot now. Uh, the, uh, the woman? Was it... Uh... Segel's wife, yeah, the daughter of the of magistrate or the leader of Crick Candor. Her yeah, I forget name her. Was not Jackson. No, no, yeah, Jaxer is being played as an older woman. Yes. I mean, you know, uh, maybe Valor's. Uh, yeah, contemporary. Age. And I think that, and I think they are contemporaries. Yeah, I think Valor he, and Jaxer are. Contemporary. Although, when you think about it, he comes out of the Phantom Zone fourteen years later. She's had to age 14 years. Ah, right, right. So, yes, yeah, she's... Yeah. But how, how fast or slow does he age? Yeah, I know. That's, it's a, again, timey-wimey there, you know, because she doesn't look... He looks about 65, 60, 65, white hair, white beard. Yeah. Uh, she looks late 40s, early 50s. Jack, sir. All right, so, yes, we have uh, Nissa Vex as... Uh, Nissa Vex was her name. Ah, okay. The daughter of the... Of the, mag- of the magistrate who... Uh, Whatever, yeah. Because she, she's interesting. There's an interesting character. At first, you thought just a, you know, a pretty blonde airhead, just no, 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 daddy's girl, you know. But no, 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 no. She she's, seems to be a lot smarter than daddy. She's a lot smarter than daddy. She's a lot smarter. She's got. She knows stuff is happening, and uh, she's got a lot of qualities that make a really good villain. 
Plus, she's got that extra thing that she really is concerned about her offspring, the little Matrix baby with uh, Segel. And uh, that's bringing in a lot of nice qualities, but also the fact that, uh, you know, she'll shoot you as soon as look at you. She's she'll disintegrate you. She's evil. She's mean. She almost did it it to her father. She almost wiped her father out. If he hadn't given her a damn good reason for him to stay, uh, if she didn't have a better plan for him, he would have been gone. So I think that's interesting that so far now, Segel is producing a couple of offspring. And neither one of them are Jor-El. And one of them uh, ends up having or becoming Zod. Well, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't think the one in the, that she's carrying around is Jor-El? No. They've given it a name. She has called it something already, a name. And it doesn't have the last name L or Jor. It's something with their last name, M. Yeah, something Vex. Yeah, Vex, right. Something with their last name. So, uh you know, I think she has what she wants, starting to get control of Kandor. But now in that last scene, she's willing to work with the younger Zod girl to get the hell out of Kandor, to get the peop- get to the tunnels and get to Kryptonopolis. Well, yeah, until, of course, Kandor is uh, not taken. Right. But see, that's the whole point. They've got to take Kandor. And the people who are now talking about all these famous people, names that have been in this episode – who are all living in Candor cannot be shrunk. They cannot be taken or the cape also disappears. <laughs> you know, if that cape has got to grow back, uh, these people have to move to Kryptonopolis and have their own little power struggles. And the L family has to get its name back. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's got to happen next season. And I'm hoping it happens before sci-fi cancels the show. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I really don't know. What what's going to happen? It would be a sin on either level. Now that they've gone this far and they've dangled all these strings in front of us, to then start to either tie them all up in a hurried fashion in the last two episodes next season, or keep building, get to a point where you know what's going to happen in the third season, and the third season never comes. So you know they're going to be walking a tight wire here. But at least sci-fi. Um, can can say that they have an actual science fiction show on the air now. Well, yeah, now that they've uh, canceled the expanse. Exactly, uh, which I think was one of their higher rated shows. So I don't know why the heck they. If it wasn't high rated, it was beloved by many online. It's a good show. I have not seen any of them. Well, I I've watched the first two seasons. I um, well, I'll wait for <laughs> now that I know it's not coming back. I'll just wait until. How many seasons did they do? Two, three. Uh, were they doing short seasons like this, or were they closer to regular 20-episode no, no, seasons? most of the cable channels do 10 to 13. Okay, so it's not real hard to watch a, a couple of seasons. No. And it was getting the same kind of ratings that Krypton was, less than a... Sci-fi doesn't get a lot of a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, it's not going to get that much. I mean, the Expanse and both, and both Krypton were getting less than uh, a, a million viewers. Yeah, ooh, less than a million. Well, I think Sci-Fi lost so many of their viewers... And lost their credibility when originally, yes, when originally they were a science fiction show. And then they thought, oh, we can't keep showing all these old science fiction shows. We need to show other things, modern in color. And then they stopped showing science fiction. They just stopped showing. They just showed crap, crap. B-level crap, C and D-level crap. That The stuff that's not good because it's bad. The stuff is just bad. And they lost their credibility. And they didn't pay to produce new shows. Right. Now they're starting to spend a little money 
but I think they're still afraid. They're still not willing to do what the CW has done. That's why CW is scratching out and maintaining a profit and viewership, because they've realized one to three million people per episode can sustain shows with this budget. And they're doing it, and they're doing across the board. I will find something good about almost all of their shows. And, you know, one thing I, did, I have read about the expanse is that it was expensive. But this Yeah, show, the trailers this show, I've seen look expensive. This show can't be cheap either. Krypton? No, no. Especially now. But I think they've now that the sets are built and they've got the stuff, uh, and it's not that heavy into CG. There's no people flying around, really. They do some flying cars and this and that, but there's not a lot of CG monster type stuff you got to do. It's there will you know, be if you're gonna whip out Doomsday. If they're gonna bring Doomsday next season, they're gonna do that. And if Brainiac keeps doing all of his tentacle stuff, they're gonna do more CG there. But uh, overall, it's still just kind of a drama set in you know on another planet. But it's very familiar. Anybody who watches a regular drama. Uh, could enjoy this show oh, because because it's not science fiction. It's not fantasy. You know, we're not seeing Superman and Batman and all the this stuff. Uh, have they mentioned the Green Lantern Corps yet? Because no. I think we're going to see some of that in the comics about, you know, with Bendis's new guy, another reason Krypton exploded and another writer is going to give us another reason for Krypton to explode. But uh, he might play with the fact that in the DC universe, the Guardians of the Galaxy has been around long before Krypton exploded. Guardians of the universe. Guardians, that's what I, oh yeah, I said galaxy. <laughs> Ooh, cross stream. But yeah, they the Guardians of the universe have been around a lot longer than, than you know, eons and eons oh, and yeah, eons. Oh, millions of years. Yeah, exactly. So uh, they knew what was going on with Krypton. And decided to do nothing about it and thought that it had to. And that's some of the one of the opening lines in the new Bendis comic is kind of a conversation between this other guy and the Guardians. And the Guardians say, no, no, we appreciate what you're trying to do. But Krypton has to go ahead and blow up on its own accord. We can't force it, (laughs) despite how bad the Kryptonians are. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes with that. Well, actually, I just finished reading the... uh Giving a good read to the uh, the booster shot story, mm-hmm. where uh, booster gold, yeah, where Superman <laughs> went back to time to try to find out what happened to Jarrell. Yeah, yeah, and the, that was interesting. Tomar Ray had a recording of Krypton exploding. Thank you, Tomar Ray. You know, um, but yeah, that was his. I mean, second. I, I mean, I was thinking about that. I mean, what did he do? Camp out at the sun with a picnic basket and watch? And watch. I don't know. But they must have known everything must have happened. And, you know, it's kind of weird. But that's what happens when you build stuff into a universe that started out over here. Now you've written this other stuff. But wait a minute. If you write that, that means that. And if that, then that. And continuity nerds, heads are exploding everywhere. Woo. But uh, Season two, but, what do we think? Um, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Because um, I think season one gave us enough to go, okay. That's not bad. That's not if, again, you take the mindset of letting them do it and not being all, you can't be doing that. If you're going to be doing that, don't even watch it because you're going to hate it. Right. You know, Uh, but uh, uh, I have enjoyed it enough to actually look forward to season two. But again, I don't want them to think, oh, we're only going to get two seasons unless they know up front we're only getting two seasons. 
and then shit moves normally and moves on. Well, they didn't get their renewal until after the last episode aired this year. Right. So I think they have to progress. If I were them, I would progress on a five-year time period, a hundred episode, or not a hundred, but a 50-episode story that they want to tell. Uh, and try to shoot for the five year period because you've got because if they you know try to just cram it in and then they get renewed, then it's like uh oh well we already said well now we have to stretch and now we have to invent story yeah we don't want to do that we want it to be timed well enough so that over the course of the arc we see the things resolve to a way that. Everybody gets off the planet like they're supposed to and be where they're supposed to when they're supposed to be there. And the planet explodes and we see the little rocket ship take off. And that's where it ends. That's how I want to see the thing end. I want it to end as the rocket ship leaves the planet. Or maybe, maybe you know, the, it would be really cool if, like in Grant Morrison's thing, we see Jor-El grab the cape that the whole time we've been watching over the five years. Now it's back to its full size. Jor-El grabs it off the wall and puts it in the rocket with the baby. Right. <clears throat> and then that's so that Superman does end up with his own cape. Uh, that would be very cool. That would be a nice way to tie it all and, and end it. So if you're listening out there, Goyer and whoever's still writing these things, that would be a very cool ending. Yeah, but yeah, I'm looking forward to next season. I'm looking forward to. What are you? Are you? You know? Oh, definitely. Obviously, we have to. I want this to be some kind of time jump. You know, mm-hmm. maybe a year or two. It seems like Zod is in power. Awful. Yeah, but boy, that last episode was very cool. Very cool, oh. and the way it just built and built, and then that that last scene, and you thought, oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god. Or that kneel before Sod. <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. Eventually, they will all kneel before Zod. And then en masse, the camera turns and the massive audience, they all kneel. So good. So good. So, um, I, if I had any inclination to get off the couch, I might have kneeled. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I love stuff like that. I love when they hit those kind of beats. And uh, there's no doubt that this actor, I forgot his name again already, playing Colin Zod. Salmon. Colin Salmon. Salmon. Uh, he's so good. He's he's just, you know, uh, man, if he had an eye patch on. Oh, he'd be, <laughs> he'd be a great pirate. Yeah. He'd be a great pirate or a shield. Uh, what's his face? Um, oh, uh, Nick uh, Fury. Nick Fury. He'd be a good Nick Fury, you know, now that What's-His-Face has set the template for it. Oh, well, speak of, speaking of kneeling before Zod, have you yes. seen that thing in Canada? Oh, where General Zod is running for some sort of Congress up there? Yeah. Yeah, it's very funny. It's very funny. I want I'd one of those for, for my lawn. Yeah, I'd vote for that Zod before I'd vote any for anything. Well, let's not get political. I just want to annoy my neighbors. I mean, it wouldn't do any good out of the political statement on my lawn. I live on a dead-end street. Oh. And I live at the dead end. Oh. A cul-de-sac or just a dead end? No, the street just stops. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. So I think we've uh, wrapped it. We've uh, covered this pretty good. Well, I think so. I think we hit most of the main characters. I was trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to, to, to – I'll probably think of it as soon as we, you know, get off the air. But uh, uh, overall, uh, I'm giving it a solid B, maybe even a B plus. Yeah, I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Me too. I really was, uh, you know, 
Once I decided to watch it, then I said, okay, I'm going to watch it with an open mind. Let him go. I don't care anymore. I don't care. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I don't care. I'm not going to get it. If I hate it, I'm not going to get online and start bad mouthing anybody who likes it or, you know, you know, uh, not doing the internet right, Bob. Yeah, I know. I'm not. You're not interneting. interneting I am not interneting properly, but uh, uh, I may be even doing less of that in the future. But that's what I came into the Krypton show with, was a totally open mind thinking, if I like it, terrific. If I don't, well, then I'll move on and watch Watch something else. Watch something else. I'm not going to get online and gripe that they have ruined Krypton and Superman and the whole mythos because Jor-El and Zod are brothers. Well, I'm just not going to do that. And uh, uh, so, you know, Krypton's not getting the uh, a, a lot of attention because I think a lot of people decided they weren't watching it. Yeah, I think so too. I think a lot of people decided they just said, "Yeah, I'm just not going to watch it." And I and you and I both know a lot of our Superman uh, friends are not watching Krypton. Um, I could probably name half a dozen or more right off the top of my head that just said no, and they're hardcore Superman people, and they just said, "No, I'm just just not going to do it." Uh, so okay. You know, uh, maybe if they listen to this, they'll realize that take the attitude that, no, it's not John Byrne's Superman. It's not Kurt Swan's Superman. It's not this is not that. In fact, it's not Superman at all. No, it's not. There's nobody flying around with superpowers and tights in this thing. But it's a decent prequel that touches on familiar people acting in a way that you can believe. Okay, Jack Sir would do that. Okay, you know, Zod's mom would do that. You know, if you, yeah. if you like those uh, World of Krypton backups in uh, the Bronze Age and uh, the World of Krypton miniseries that John Byrne put out right. in 87, you, you'll, like, you'll be interested in this because it takes a lot. Yeah, I, that does take some from that, and I, that's why I think there's a, a good combination of items and things from the Silver Age and the Bronze Age and the Byrne era early Krypton. I'm just so glad it's not totally the Byrne Krypton. Yeah. Because I really wanted that Krypton to blow up. Uh, but uh, the I, people here have I, emotion. I, I really wanted the Superman the movie Krypton to blow up. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. And in this one, all of the L's say Krypton. They pronounce it properly. So, uh, well, yeah. of course, Jor-El hasn't been born yet. Yeah, so maybe he can't invent the word Krypton. <laughs> he, he might be the one that goes Krypton. <laughs> so, uh, in fact, now Kim, my wife Kim... We've made so much fun over the years of Marlon Brando saying that. The other night we were talking about the show or something, and Kim, in our conversation, in a row, said it like three or four times in a row, Krypton, Krypton. And I went, what are you doing? And it was, we just laughed because it was it just, it had become such a thing well, now. That, y- you know who mispronounced it first? Our uh, old friend J.J. Pepperwinkle. Pepperwinkle. Oh, right, right, yes, if you, yes. If you remember, if you remember all yes. the glitters, yes. he does call it Krypton. He calls it Krypton. Yes, you're absolutely right. I totally forgotten that. Well, Marlon, you're off the hook. I've been giving you crap all these years, so I'll let you off the hook because yeah, because uh, yeah, I'm sure Marlon Brando watched that. That's where he got it from. That's where his research was watching the Adventures of Superman TV show. Marlon Brando's research was showing <laughs> up to work and reading a cue card. <laughs> right. That was Marlon Brando's pepper preparation. Right. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I think we did it. I, I like the uh, the show overall. I'm uh, looking forward to next season. They have already started shooting it. Yeah. And, uh, you know. So they, we'll they must see. have known they were coming back well before we did. Uh, yeah, I think they did. Because I think they were they shooting already. The show's only been, the last episode only aired. Yeah, and they've already, exactly. And they started reshooting 
uh, probably even before the public was told that the show would be uh, renewed or they started renewing. They started shooting as soon as word came down because, um, yeah, they've been shooting now at least two weeks. Well, I don't know, because once you get your renewal, you have to write. Right. I think they've written most of the second season already. I think they were prepared to go at least two seasons. Uh, I'm just hoping that, you know, they don't rush it. They do a do a decent job with it. So whatever They get to tell whatever story they're planning to tell. Exactly. 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 So. That's all I got. That's all I got. But Where, people should watch it. Yes, they should. Give it a shot. I'm sure it'll be on something shortly. Some kind of streaming service shortly. Something. Somewhere. All right, so where can the good people find you? Superman Forever Radio at supermanforever.com. That's all I do. I show up when people invite me on their shows. Yay. And you'll be back. Yes, I will. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff coming up. We've got some good stuff coming up and some not so good stuff. No, it's all good. I'm it's, all, it's, all, it's, all, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. But thanks, Mike, for bringing me back. This was fun. Uh, and I think people should, should give uh, Krypton a shot. Yeah, definitely. Give it a shot. I mean, if you have the Sci-Fi Network on your cable system, you know, I'm sure they're still running it all the time. I don't know. I I, have I don't know what they're doing with it. Yeah, you'd have to look it up. But. I, I watched them all on the Sci-Fi Channel app, so. Mm, okay. As far as I know, but, they're still going to be on there at least through next year. Yeah, I would assume they're not going to, you know, dump it. So if you've got the app, go ahead and watch it. And, and uh, it's not bad. Well, they folks. dumped episodes of The Expanse. Yeah. Yeah, I went back to uh, I watched like the first episode, and then when I went back, two and three were gone. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm hoping Krypton gets at least three. Yeah, I think they they, they can tell a decent story in three years. I think two. It's either going to be an untold, finished, unfinished story, or they're going to cram everything in the last two episodes and try to tie everything up with montage. So we'll see. We'll see. But. But for right now, it was decent, and it's worth uh, watching, and I look forward to the next season. So, good. And good as thing. usual, you can find me here on this show. Isn't that, a, isn't that a surprise? That is surprising, that if people who are listening to this very podcast want to hear more of you, they can continue to download this podcast. That What a novel idea. That's Have you told people about that? You should tell people I should, about I, that. I should uh, let this well-known secret out. Yeah, you should tell people. And it, if uh, you want to send us some email, and if your name is not Dave McIlvenny, <laughs> I still welcome Dave's email, of course, but Dave is getting lonely. <laughs> Dave, I'm, sure Dave, I'm sure Dave wants to hear all the letters, too. Yeah. So that's manascreen at gmail.com. You can join the conversation over at the Facebook group. Just put manascreen into your search feed, and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at manofscreencast. And as usual, for the next episode of Man of Screen Extra, I have no idea what the next episode is going to be. Yay! But I will say this. There will be an episode in August on the new animated movie, The Death of Superman. Watch. When is that coming out? Uh, I believe I'm, it's going to arrive at my house on August 7th. Mm, okay. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see what comes of that. And that's part one. Yeah, part one. The Apparently the uh, part two is going to adapt the uh, Reign of the Superman story. Mm, mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. People are yeah. Gonna, I don't. I don't know. I, I have. I have no feelings about it. Isn't that weird? I'm going to see. I'm going to watch it, and I'll yeah. probably end up buying it, the Blu-ray, because uh, I do tend to get a lot of the Superman animated stuff. 
I but can't, you know, it's weird. I can't I'm not the last Superman animated movie there was. That was, uh, I mean, he was in a few of them, but he was in a few. But of there them, were but, very few actual. Yeah, Superman you're right. Ones. Probably both. Most of them were like Justice League War and Justice League this or Batman Throne Superman or Throne of Atlantis. Right and War. Uh, I don't remember. I'm not sure I actually saw that one, so he may not have been much in that. I, wa- I watched it uh, about a week or two ago. Slept through half of it. Mm-hmm. Really no, I think the last, the last one, the last thing I watched animated from DC was the uh, Batman or Gotham under Gaslight. The that wasn't terrible. That wasn't bad actually. Yeah, I haven't watched that one. That wasn't bad. I don't know what I'm going to do about Ninja. Uh, I have it on loan from a friend. And I said, oh, you got this. Cool. He said, yeah, you want to watch? Yeah, okay. It's still sitting over by the DVR. I still haven't put it in yet. So I probably should watch that maybe this weekend and get it back to him. Although he's not in a big hurry and he's here every Tuesday night. So I'm not in a big hurry to watch it either. Yeah, I'm not. So uh, Unbound is one of them that I have gone back to a couple of times um, because it's the Brainiac story. And for most of them that I like, except for the ending. But uh Anyway, yeah. This is a long time since I've watched it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you ought to pop that one in. It's not bad. And Kara is pretty good in that. She, it's it's the wrong costume. I don't like that costume. But which one is she wearing? The two thousand costume? Yeah, the two thousand the the bare midriff, the top with the bare midriff and the tiny little skirt. Um, yeah, I don't particularly care for that uh, that costume. But uh, uh, but you know that's me. I'm old. So. But again, thanks, Mike. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. and uh, This was good. We will talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you do, the Two True Freaks get a little cut of what you buy, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you can shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.